All right, everybody, you ready? <clears throat> Greetings to those inside, those outside, and of course, those at home watching uh, from their living rooms. Uh, wherever you are, let's get into the word as Gabrielle introduced Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 34. As Jesus explains what the kingdom of God is like with his parables, this time from a garden. And I'll start reading in verse uh, 26, and then we'll take it from there. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. Verse 29, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. This passage, as I've been reading it for the last week, almost teases a question that many of us are asking right now. Some of us in this room, some of, some of us in the parking lot, some of us at home, a question that so many of us might be asking right now, and that's something of this nature. Do I have an important responsibility or a job? Is what I'm doing important? In a variety of different ways, and it's not that we doubt ourselves necessarily, it's that some of us are finding it difficult to connect what we're doing to a bigger picture. That's awesome. <laughs> We're struggling to connect the little things throughout the day with the bigger picture. For some of us, it's just being a Christian. It's saying, I am following Jesus. I'm coming to church. Here I am today. I'm watching from afar. I read my Bible on this day and that day. But I'm struggling to connect that with Monday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. For some of us, it's our jobs. We show up on Monday, we show up on Tuesday, we show up on Wednesday, we do the thing from nine to five, and we're asking, how does this play into the broader scheme of things, my life? Is anything I'm doing important? It's Mother's Day today. Perhaps some of you are asking a similar question. Well, I know I have a hard job. <laughs> I know that what I'm doing takes a lot of time and effort, but day in and day out, I do the same thing over and over, and then it just gets undone, is what I'm doing mattering in the broader scheme of things. Regardless of where you're at and what you're doing, you might be asking a similar question. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels doing a bunch of things. Does it actually matter for the broader scheme of things? And of course, as Christians, we're trying to tie that into the bigger picture of following Jesus. 
I bring that question up because it's as if Jesus affirms that question. He affirms it with that first line where he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man or a woman should scatter seed in a field. He uses a phrase that you wouldn't expect for an intentional farmer who might dig intentionally and place carefully seed in a particular place in the soil. He says the kingdom of God is like a person just scattering seed everywhere. It's as if he knows. And when he says scatter, he means a kind of a clumsy uh, dispersal of what he has all over the place. He even describes the sower as someone who sleeps and rises in the daytime and who doesn't know how the seed grows. In other words, this is a picture of someone who's just kind of tossing things, hoping that wherever he throws the seed, something will stick. And he's using this to describe our life as followers of Jesus. It's as though Jesus is affirming what life sometimes feels like. Flailing seed, hoping that something will stick to the wall. And yet we're also asking, is anything sticking? Is anything catching? Is what I'm doing matter? Our part may feel small, showing up, being consistent, or even some of those boring repetitiveness in life that comes along. And following Jesus post-honeymoon can sometimes seem mundane. In fact, you're probably sitting here right now distracted by all of the chatter and laughter right behind me. Sometimes it feels like we're just throwing seed, hoping that something will stick and grow. And maybe you're even asking right now, does anything I'm doing matter? Yet, I want to give you good news from the first line of this passage from Jesus' own words. He doesn't just say life is like scattering seed. He says this is what the kingdom of God is like. He says it's, it's as if he's affirming the craziness and chaos of your life and the questions you're asking and he's saying that's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a person scattering seed, hoping that something will stick. And it's in the mundane and the ordinary, speaking and living out what you know about God. Sometimes it feels like daily, repetitive, flailing and scattering of seed, but this is where Jesus says the power takes root. In other words, we have one job as Christians, to point to God's kingdom with our words, with our behavior, with our thoughts, with our action, with our relationships, and it's as if Jesus is alluding to this, God's kingdom will do the rest. It's a seed. It was meant to grow. You don't have to make it grow. You just got to be faithful with the little that you have. And perhaps what you have feels little. I want you, on the heels of this section of the scripture, to ask yourself a question. What ordinary or mundane thing or relationship or responsibility in your life might you be overlooking? Because it's as if Jesus is trying to teach us here. It's in the, it's in the mundane scattering of seed. 
That's where the kingdom of God takes place. For those of us looking for those outbursts, those mountaintop experiences, the excitement, it's as if Jesus is saying, no, it's in the regular, mundane, ordinary scattering of seed. The stuff that we tend to overlook sometimes. I would begin asking myself, what ordinary thing or relationship or responsibility in my life might I be overlooking? Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's your nine to five. Maybe it's your neighbor that you see every day and you small talk for five seconds before hopping in your car to go to work. Because if God is present in the ordinary, which Jesus constantly tells us he is, maybe a good question for us to ask ourselves is, how can I be more present to God in the ordinary? If he's already present to us, how can we be present to him? There was a man, a story I gave a a few years back of a young man who wanted to ask this question. He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a missionary, he wasn't a CEO of a large corporation. He was a dishwasher. And he wanted to train himself to be more aware of God's presence in the mundane and the ordinary. And so as he was washing dishes at the bottom of a basement for a monastery, he began uh, timing himself by the minute to say, you know, every section of time that goes past, I'm gonna time myself, I'm going to just pause and turn my attention to God and listen, even if it's just for a second. And he would do this so often that he got more used to being aware of God's presence in the ordinary things in his life. This man named, uh, man's name was Brother Lawrence. He would go on to write a book called Practicing the Presence of God, a Christian classic. But I want you to notice that that happened because he started washing the dishes. And not just washing the dishes, but considering that God was even present to him while he washed. Is there a way that we could do this with our own lives? As we go out from here, the mountaintop experience that is a Sunday morning gathering, into our Sunday afternoons and our Mondays to stop and pause and listen. When I wrap this up, I'll walk you through just some tools that you can do that. But at first, what if God is present to us in those ordinary, mundane places? And how can we be more present to God in those moments? Second thing I want you to know, after that first question, do I have an important job, God would say, yes, you do, is that God is gracious. In verse 27, follow with me in your Bibles, it says, the, the sower sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't even know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, Jesus said, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable should we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. What I want you to see from this section is there's two forms of God's graciousness we can see from this passage. The first one is this. We see unexpected beginnings. 
In other words, the grandeur of God's kingdom and his gospel often starts so small we're tempted to overlook it. Jesus compares the the good news of the kingdom to a mustard seed and he says at first it's the smallest seed in the whole garden. Sometimes the way God works in our life feels that way. This is way too small to amount to anything. It's almost anticlimactic. Most giant worldwide political causes and religions usually have these over-the-top customs that are large and full of grandeur. When Jesus starts his revolution, he goes to his disciples with bread and wine, with food and drink. It seems so small. When the disciples wanted to be the greatest revolutionaries that the world has ever seen, Jesus calls them to be like, children, noisy and messy and distracting and childlike and goofy and full of joy. When the disciples shooed the kids away because they were too in Jesus' face, he rebuked them and said, the kingdom of God is reserved for hearts like this. People are not It's not too much for them to enter into the mess. When the disciples wanted a revolution to upseat the emperor of Rome, Jesus instead chooses to die on a cross. Sometimes the way God works doesn't line up with what we're expecting because it seems so small. For you, what does it look like? Maybe maybe it's the same. Maybe you want something revolutionary to happen in your life right now, and it's not happening. Maybe you want to be the greatest at something, and it's not happening. Maybe you want a system of elaborate customs and religious rules that give you a sense of control over your life and maybe others. And Jesus keeps coming to you with this mustard seed. This passage teaches us about God's graciousness because we see in the way God works unexpected beginnings. It's so unexpected and it's so small. And it's also a process. Look at the next line in verse, uh, in verse 28. He says, the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. And at first you see the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. In other words, he's describing the process by which God works in our lives. It doesn't happen right away. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow process and maybe even a frustrating process for some of us. I know for myself, this is so not how I want God to work in my life. (laughs) I don't want to go through a process. I want it right now. I want that Traeger smoke tri-tip results, but with the timing of a microwave. I'm already getting hungry as I say that. I want God to move immediately. Back in October after Halloween, my son Jude, who's right over there, had this idea of taking the pumpkin seeds from the jack-o'-lanterns we made, and he wanted to plant it because he wanted to grow a pumpkin. And Abby, and myself were like, we, we want to do that too. So Abby got a plant. I think she got a flower. 
I didn't want flowers. I wanted something I could eat. So I got a chili pepper seed. I got chili pepper seeds from Home Depot. And we planted them in October. And both of their plants took off like lightning. We needed a five-gallon tub for his pumpkin plant. And Abby's flower just kind of did this like overnight. And mine was about this big for about five months. But it's okay. I was going to hold out because I wanted a chili pepper. And month after month it grew, first the blade, and then the ear, and then a full grain of ear. And then one day Abby, in excitement, said, Dad, there's a chili pepper coming out the top. And I ran out the front door and I was like, really? And she's like, no, just kidding. <laughs> and it's still sitting there with no fruit. But then, as Jesus says, when the grain is ripe, then the harvest will come. I'm not talking about chili peppers anymore. I'm talking about you and what God is doing in your life. In fact, I want you to repeat that with me. Turn to someone next to you and say, when the grain is ripe, the harvest will come. Come on, a little louder. When the grain is ripe, the harvest will come. We just don't know when that's gonna happen. We don't know when the harvest is coming. We're just watering We're just doing the thing. We're just repeating those rhythms. We're showing up. We're being with each other. We're opening up that Bible. We're listening to the Lord. Nothing's happening yet. Jesus says, that's okay. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Don't worry about the fruit. I will provide that fruit. You just keep watering that plant. Just show up. One day you will wake up and realize you have grown. But it's often only by looking back at your past self, right? When I look back on Chris Lazo five years ago, I'm like, wow, that was a terrible person. God has been so gracious to me. And today I'm like, I'm not half bad. Five years from now, I'm gonna look back on Chris Lazo in 2021 and be like, wow, God was really gracious to me in the church that I tried to pastor. Sometimes you only look at the lengths that God has taken you in retrospect, but he's taking you there. He's taking you there. God is gracious, and we see a part of his graciousness as unexpected beginnings. The second form of God's graciousness we see is extravagant abundance. Extravagant abundance. What I mean by that is God wants He wants growth in you more than you sometimes do for yourself. He loves you more than you think. And he's willing to use what little energy you have right now to make much in your life. He's gracious. He doesn't even need a lot from you or I. In another passage, he described the type of faith he needs as the size of a mustard seed. It's not just small, it actually represents the faith that he's willing to work with. In fact, in verse 32, he says, yet when it's sown and it grows up, 
and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out its branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, it might start off as a mustard seed. You might only have this amount. You might be tired. You might be worn out. You might be fatigued. You might be discouraged. You might be depressed. You might be depleted. You might be at the end of your rope. In fact, you might not have anything positive to offer the Lord right now. Maybe all you can offer the Lord in your faith is your discouragement, your failure, your disappointments, your pain, your scars, your depression, your demons. God is gracious to you. He says, I'll take that too. I can work with anything you got. I just want you to be vulnerable. You don't have to put on a front. I'm not looking for your perfection. Give me what you got. For some of you, all you got is turmoil. And I don't blame you. It's been a rough couple years. But look at what God is able to do with the little that you're able to provide. He can take a mustard seed, and as he describes it, it grows into a tree that is so large, it creates its own ecosystem. Birds of the air making nests in its branches. It's as if Jesus, through a metaphor, is saying, if you just give me what you have, if you just surrender the little that you have with me, I can heal you. I can transform you. I can put the power of the gospel on display in your life to such an extent that not only will you be healed and transformed, but you will be an instrument of healing and transformation to the hurting people around you. You don't gotta fix yourself. You have already met the great doctor, the Messiah who is able to take broken instruments and cause them to make music again. The takeaway from this section of scripture, I think, honestly, is brothers and sisters, don't be so hard on yourself when you leave today. Don't be so hard on yourself. Because God isn't hard on you. God knows what you're going through right now. God loves you and wants to give you his abundance. And maybe you've been scrawling on the mental sticky notes of your mind about how you need to get your life together for your spouse, for your family, for your friends, for your neighbor, for your employer, for your church, maybe even for God. But that's not God's burden for you. He's never needed you to get your life together. He just wants to occupy your life. So be gracious with yourself, because God is gracious to you. I think the last takeaway that we can get from this, and just a little recap, do you have an important job? Yes. It just sometimes happens in the small places, right? And for that reason, God is gracious with us. Here's my third and final point. This, for many of us, is going to start with relationship. The first of which being us and Jesus Christ. Let me read uh, in closing verse 33 through 34. It says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. 
He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. I want you to see this visual of Jesus talking to the crowds through parables, but then grabbing people like you and just being like, hey, let's go off into the corner. I got something special for you. Just sit with me. Just sit next to me. Don't worry about fixing your life. Just sit with me and I'll take care of the rest. You got a mustard seed size faith? I can work with that. Feel like you don't have any faith at all? I can work with that too. As the disciples communed with Jesus, they spent time with him, they spoke with him, they listened to him. He opened up to them the beauty of the kingdom which is both gracious and abundant. That their hearts may be encouraged, that they would be knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, as Paul says in Colossians, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Brothers and sisters, all we need is Jesus Christ. I know that's such a pastor thing to say, and you probably heard that in the church many times, but isn't it true? All we need is to cling to Jesus Christ. As reality has said for years, Ministry and healthy activity flows from intimacy with Jesus. That's all you need right now. And I know the temptation in our minds is to overcomplicate everything, our relationships, our job, ourselves, our spirituality, our religion. Jesus comes along and says, just keep company with me. So I'm gonna ask the band to come up as we Practice together, keeping company with Jesus. When I first started coming to reality, we used to turn the lights down low in that lemon packing factory in Carpinteria. And uh, G and Britt would set up carpets at the front. Remember that? And it was so that we could get before God in a place of solitude and allow him to minister to our lives. We also had open spaces. People would go around the room and just kind of carve out a space to just be with Jesus. And for the first time in a year and a half, we're able to do that again. So if that's something that you need to do, you can, you can kneel on these carpets, you can go off to the side, you can get before Jesus. I want to invite you to do that. We also have prayer teams. They should be over by that big orange button, that orange dot over there. For some of us, we don't even know what to pray. We're that depleted. I want to invite you to allow somebody else to pray for you. But before we sing, I want to do what Jesus has been inviting us to do for several verses to stop, to pause, and to listen. So if you would, get comfortable with me. I wanna do this with, for about a minute with you. You can close your eyes if that helps you. I know there's some noise, there's activity, there's music. But I wanna invite you to close your eyes. And despite what's going on around you, to intentionally place yourself in the presence of God. 
You might be asking yourself, how in the world do I do that right now? I hear chatter, I hear the pastor preaching. I've got stuff on my mind. Well, here's the gracious component of God. He's not angry at your loud and noisy mind. He simply wants you to provide that for him. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to intentionally place yourself in the presence of God and you'll notice that as you try to do that, your mind is gonna go haywire. You're gonna think about the kids in the corner. You're gonna think about what you're gonna eat for lunch or what you need to do this afternoon or Mother's Day plans. Look, as soon as those thoughts enter your mind right now, don't feel guilty. Just notice them and let them fly off into the hands of your Savior and then turn your attention back to Jesus. That's it. You may be asking, what do I do when I'm in the presence of Jesus? Well, you don't need to do anything. Just receive his love. Put your attention on his presence. Listen to his voice. When the thoughts come, that's okay. Notice them. Let them fly off into the corner. Turn your attention back to Jesus. might be asking, what if I don't hear anything from Jesus? That's okay. The point of being with Jesus is not to produce something for Jesus. It's just to be with him. Whenever you're ready, you can come back out. And you can take your time. All we're doing is turning our attention to the Lord who loves us. Letting everything else fall to the side so that we can be face to face with our Savior. We're gonna sing now some songs and you're free to stay in that place. You're free to sing, you're free to kneel, you're free to stand, free to get prayer. Let's give our attention to the Lord who died for us and who rose from the dead and who loves you more than you can imagine.